illegal participation on the defense. 15-yard penalty from the previous spot remains first down. This had better be a big play after all of that. Second down at eight, four and a half to go in the half, six nothing Beavers. Jonathan from the right hash from the zone 25, goes back to throw, and throws the out, and it's caught, and it's going to be a big play! Chad Johnson down the left sideline, nobody will catch Chad, and it's a touchdown 75 yards for the Beavers! This is the moment, and right here will tell perhaps all about that. Third and one and a half from the right hash. Simon's in the handoff, can't cut to the left, first down and more, 30, 25, 20, Simonton on his way, 10, into the end zone, touchdown Beavers, and the streak is going to end here tonight. The snap on target to Wojtnik, he gets a much better punt away here, Sammy Strotter back to his 30 yard line, starts up the middle, gets to the 40, he's got a seam, 45 midfield, 45, 40, he's got a chance to go, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. Welcome to Illegal Participation, the official podcast of the Heiner Tailgater. Recording this while firmly ensconced at the Heiner Tailgater headquarters, I'm your host, head chef, planner, and chief bottle washer, Bill Heine Heinrich. Joining me, as always, from the Heiner Tailgater Northern Command Outpost, the lead driver and director of thermodynamic lipid immersion, my co-host and brother, The Beach. How the heck are you doing, Beach? You know, Billy, my day started out a little rough today, but I exercised my First Amendment right on somebody earlier this morning, and it felt really good. So I'm doing okay. Yeah. Had a vent. You know, sometimes, you know, we talk about getting the poisons out, and there's various types of poisons that a man needs to release from, from the body, and uh, I, I had a nice release today. Yeah. So. Sometimes it's a verbal release. It is. It is. It is. You know, I have to say, I don't know of many people that have confronted and somewhat yelled at a former U.S. Congresswoman or a currently active state uh, representative uh, in the state legislature. Yeah. But I have. And I'm not sorry about it. Not at all. Yeah. Sometimes they need. Sometimes they need to know exactly what you're thinking. Exactly. I mean, you don't hold back. You got to speak the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes it brings some of them to tears. But you know, I think the jackass that I talked to this morning, Dad and I were talking about him on my way home. I told him about my little incident, and he said, "You know what? He was probably the little kid that got beat up in elementary school all the time, and now he thinks he's big crap." And he can tell people what to do. And you know what? He still needs to be the little kid that gets beat up in, in school. He's just a really pathetic piece of crap. So. Well, I like anyway. that because um, this this guy is, and it wasn't what you guys were talking about, but he brought it up, that carb, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. Which, which is. So, so 
I was on a little bit of background here. I was on a radio show this morning as part of my campaign. They invited me on. It was some obscure radio, but I don't like to turn opportunities down. I probably should have turned this one down, but it it could have benefited me more than it hurt me. Ultimately, I don't I think the only two people listening were probably you and Kelly. Yeah. But uh, um because, I mean, I didn't even get any reaction on my Facebook or anything else, so it just tells you nobody's there. But um, they invited me on this radio show, and the guy that – I didn't know I was going to be there with anybody else, but they invited another gentleman, a guy named Michael, who is a state legislator currently for the North Portland area, if you can guess, very liberal area. The guy's never had a job in his life. He's worked for the government. He's been a, a professor at Portland Community College. Uh, he's now retired on a public – he said he hasn't taken his PERS retirement yet, but that's probably because he's uh, living off of his uh, money that he claims from the, the state of Oregon legislature. But anyway, he is a greeny major environmentalist, and he wants to bring a system similar to the California Air Resources Board up to Oregon. Uh, they refer to the California Air Resources Board as CARB. And CARB has done some of the dumbest things ever, really. I mean, if you ever really want to learn how stupid CARB is, watch a movie called Who Killed the Electric Car? It's a story of the EV1 that GM came out with back in the early 90s, I think it was. Because the California Air Resources Board said that, I want to say, 10% of the vehicles sold in California needed to be emission-free. And as a manufacturer, you would not be allowed to do business in the state of California unless you sold 10% of your vehicles emission-free. Now, that would be like going into, let's say, a McDonald's and telling them, we don't give a damn what the customer wants. You got to sell 10% have to buy filet of fish Or veggie burgers. Or a veggie burger. There you go. Even better. 10% have to buy veggie burgers. So, I mean, how in the hell – do you change market demand? You're running into a socialist economy at this point, not a free market, because the consumer does not have control. The government does. And anyway, it was just a cluster. The EV1 was a total flop. Uh, the, the government thought they could, they could mandate sales, and it's just unreal. And so anyway, what CARB has done recently in California is they have made a mandate that Vehicles have to have a certain emission standard. So if you don't know, emissions changed in 2004, 2007, and 2011. Uh, ultimately, we went to different turbos in 04. We went to a particulate filter in 07. And in 2011, we have to put fluid in a diesel motor in order for it to be emissions compliant. And those changes knocked out the emissions from a diesel engine prior to 2000 and actually just from 2000 and uh, six to 2011, the emissions, the, the particulate matter and the nitrous oxides that are released out of the exhaust drop by 90%. Okay? Okay. 90%. Okay. So they just say, well, we understand this, but we, we want these old trucks. We want them to be emission compliant too. So we, you need to take these vehicles and you need to retrofit them on with this equipment, or you need to retire your trucks. Well, retrofitting these equipment on there is extremely expensive. It's not near as uh, efficient, and it doesn't have a very good life, and it costs a fortune. And to give you an idea, like a school bus has like a 20-year life cycle. So like even Beaverton did this. It's cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to retrofit their buses in order to be compliant. But the school district doesn't care because they just take the money from the taxpayer. So we pay for that bill. 
But then when you look at large corporations, you have these major corp- large trucking corporations. Well, they can absorb this kind of issue. What they do is they take their new trucks and they move them into California and they take their older trucks and they work them out of California so that they don't have to have a financial burden. Because they're, they're, small- they're getting new trucks every year. Exactly. So they can just uh, the way they recycle their trucks, they will just make sure that the trucks that are not there don't go into that thing. Now, they say uh, California has laws that if you if you go even into their state, you have to be compliant. So if the laws are these companies can easily, you know, start an LLC, create a separate trucking company that is just exempt from California. But if you have the small independent operators, the guys that that go into California regularly, because California is a big trucking area because of the high population, high demand for products. And also you look at what the agriculture produces out of that area. And so you're an independent owner operator, you own a flatbed truck and, and you're driving it and you bought it in 2003, let's say, and you got, maybe you're not a high mileage guy, maybe it's agricultural use, whatever. And let's say you've got a life cycle depreciation cost of maybe 15, 20 years, right? Well, not only are they making you add cost into this truck that you wouldn't anticipate, but then if you can't use that truck and ultimately you have to buy a new truck, when you try to sell your truck, it has lost an incredible amount of value because now it's not able to go interstate and not be able to operate in California. So not only have they burdened this guy to buy a brand new truck at an incredibly expensive price, the emissions cost alone that have been added to trucks is like $25,000 from 2007 to 2011 to meet those two emissions requirements. And, the, and these are these are these are big trucks. Yeah, these are semi trucks. And so then, I mean, they say, well, we're for the little guy. Well, no, you're not. You're putting the little guy out of business. And the only people that have economies of scale that can adjust to this mandate are large corporations. And I find it absolutely hypocritical that the Democrats sit there and they say they're for the little guy and they're for small business when all their regulations benefit large corporations at the expense of small individual operators. Mm -hmm. And it makes me sick that nobody will stand up in defense of these people. And now this jackass Michael wants to promote this thing in Oregon. And all it's going to do is hurt the the small operators. It's going to hurt our economy. We're going to have to fund a ton of money to, to this because if they mandate it, also all the government agencies has to live with this too. And if you look at, you know, Portland cycles through trucks relatively quickly, but if you're looking at small little independent cities, you know, they might have three, four or five trucks and they're on like maybe 10 year cycles on some of their larger dump trucks. They can't afford this bill, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it's bad enough that when they do have to replace these trucks, when the trucks are through their life cycle, that they have to pay the extra twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars to meet the new emissions requirements. And I don't know. The, the guy just – he's a, a do-gooder without having under understanding. He can sit there and say, well, look, I've cleaned up the environment. But at what cost? You know, you're putting people – you're making them hungry. They can't afford to feed their families. They can't afford to live. And honest to God, if you just look at over the lifetime, you know, it's only going to take another five to ten years before the older trucks retire out of the market. And you have them all replaced with the new emissions trucks. Don't force it. It's trending that way. And the amount of of, uh, emissions that you're really going to save isn't a grand scheme of things. I mean, when you look at what what the U.S. uh, emits versus the Asian developing Asian countries, I mean, the the amount of negative uh, greenhouse gases is minimal compared to what China puts out. Mm -hmm. And and we act as if we're we're all going to be living in a, a desert if. If these uh, guys don't change, and again, we're already trending that way. It doesn't need to be pushed any faster. We got to look at what the impacts are. But he doesn't care because then he can go to his his voters every two years and say, "Look, look what I did." Because none of his voters have uh, trucks, and none of them have to deal with it. It's all great. 
as long as it's not your ox being gored. Exactly. It all depends and, and, on whose ox is being gored. Yeah, and, and what do we have? But we have we, – we're always the, the majority picking on the minority. I mean it's, it's tyranny every day with these people, and unfortunately people are too blind to see it because all they know is, well, I don't have to pay. It doesn't affect me. I don't want to be involved in politics. I'm dumb. I'm fat, dumb, and happy, and that's what it, that's what we're dealing with. And trying to educate people on this stuff, they just either they don't want to learn. And the sad thing is, if they don't, it's only a matter of time before it affects you. Whether it affects you with your income, it affects you with your taxes, it affects you with the cost of goods and services, uh, or until you find out you don't have the freedoms that you once had. Mm -hmm. But it, it's coming that way, just because it doesn't affect you now. But and when you're going to need that, do you think those people are going to help you when you ignored them? Yeah, no. No. So anyway, there was my thing. I I I I used more uh, colorful words this morning on that guy than and after we done we did the broadcast than I probably used with anybody in a long time, and it felt damn good because this man's also promoting Measure 97 again. Let's take advantage of people by only charging the the minority at, to the benefit of the majority. Wow, that's great. It's you know, they, they did that one time, too, before the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Just make people sacrifice for others, and they don't see the comparison. You know, they're the, supposed to be the party that supports the minority when, in our reality, they are the biggest um, discriminators against any kind of minority. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be color. It doesn't have to be race. It doesn't have to be religion. They simply take a small group of people or businesses, and they take advantage of them with the justification that, well, the majority has voted, and this is democracy. No, it's called tyranny. So anyway, yep. there's my little political rant for the day. Sorry about that, but there was my morning. So feeling better now. Life is good. We're doing a podcast. Got a great show for you today. <laughs> yeah, well, like I, said, like I said, I listened to that interview, and I was just getting kind of fired up for you. So, yes, well, the purpose of illegal participation is for us to spread our inside experiences and passion for the Oregon State Beavers with others and just generally talk beaver sports, football, and tailgating to have some fun along the way and throw in a little political discussion there. Just, just for yeah. everyone's benefit. All right. I want to remind everyone, you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device on the Stitcher radio app. Also, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and the Google Play Music Store. Remember, if you want to get in touch with us, there's a couple ways. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at HeinrichTailgator. Also, check out HeinrichTailgator on Facebook. All right, Beej, let's dive right into some Beaver sports news. I'm ready to dive into the Beaver, Billy. All right, Beej. First up is women's volleyball. I love women's volleyball, Billy. It is always my favorite sport. Mary-Kate Marshall tallied a match-best 17 kills, and Sam Rallou and Lanisha Reagan each finished with double-doubles, but the Oregon State volleyball team was edged in four sets by Arizona State Friday night at Gill Coliseum. Now, Mary-Kate Marshall and Lanisha Reagan each recorded double-doubles to help guide the Oregon State volleyball team to a four-set victory over Arizona Sunday afternoon, also in Gill. The Beavs are now 9-14 overall, 2-12 in Pac-12, and they head to the state of Washington next weekend for a pair of matches against the Huskies and Cougars. The Beavers open at Washington State Friday night at 7, followed by a Sunday match at Washington that starts at 3. Hey, Billy, you know, I think we need to change the dialect here. I think we need to say double-doubles animal style every time we do double-doubles. I don't have a problem with that. Let's do that. Oh, we Recorded double-doubles animal style to help guide the Oregon State volleyball team to a force-hit victory. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah I like it. All right, let's move, on to <laughs> let's move on to women's soccer. The Oregon State women's soccer team fell to Washington State 2-1 to on Thursday night at Lower Soccer Field in Pullman. 
Then, Oregon State's redshirt sophomore Emma Bergstrom scored her first goal of her career to help the Beavs defeat Washington 1-0 on Sunday afternoon. The victory is the first Pac-12 road win for OSU since the 2013 season. And the first... Holy crap. Yep. <laughs> okay, all right. And Way to the... go. Way to go, Emma. And the first at Husky Soccer Stadium since 2010. The Beavs are now 7-10 overall, 2-8 and in Pac-12, and will close its season on Friday night at Oregon with the Civil War match, starting on the Pac-12 networks at 3 p.m. I think we should buy Emma a beer. I don't think she's old enough. Oh, damn it. She's, okay. Didn't it say Emma, I, If Emma's listening, Emma, when you turn 21, Heinrich Tailgater is going to buy you a beer. Uh, Emma, once you're done with your career at Oregon State, come talk to us. Join us for a tailgater. Come talk to us once your career is over. Can they? Can they? Uh, can they come to? Because a, a booster is a booster, no matter what sport you're at. So they're not allowed to even come to our tailgater, are they? Or, I mean, they come. They can't. They can't partake of anything. Correct. Other than water. Correct. Even if we're supporting football and their soccer, and Correct. you know, you would think they loosen the rules because, honest to God, it's soccer. Doesn't matter, Beach. Do you really think there's a lot of boosters out there saying, "Hey, come over here. I got some cash for you." It's soccer. Depends on what school you go to, Beach. Freaking Pele. All right, let's move on to men's soccer. The Oregon State men's soccer team suffered a road defeat Thursday evening as the Beavs fell 3 to nothing to number 9 Stanford in Stanford, California. Then the men's soccer team dominated the second half on its way to a 1-0 road win over Cal Sunday afternoon in Berkeley. The men are now 5-7 and seven overall, 1-4-2 and two in the Pac-12, and return home this week for their final homestand of the season. Oregon State will start the week off by hosting San Diego State on Thursday. So there you go. All righty. All right, Beads. And then the last bit of sports news for the week, because mm-hmm. because uh, swimming, women's swimming had a uh, alumni relay meet, so it didn't really mean much. I'm sure they had fun. Um, but the last bit of sports news has to do with football. The kickoff. For next weekend's UCLA game in the Rose Bowl has been set for 6 p.m. and will be broadcast on the Pac-12 network. All right. Okie dokie. Okay. All right. Oh, oh, Beach. Billy. Is that the freaking teletap I hear going? It's, it seems to be working right now. Cool. So hold on. Hold, hold on here. Hold on. Okay. That is the okay. thinnest, longest piece of paper I've ever heard. <laughs> I got it from Kinko's. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. This just in. Illegal participation has exclusive audio of Senator John Blutarski, a former member of the Omega Theta Pi House of Eugene, Oregon, after watching the Oregon Ducks win their first Pac-12 game. Here it is. Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! Wow. Wow, really? I, I hope you don't bleep it. No, I, I didn't. I didn't bleep it. Okay. Okay. Good. It. It's. There's certain things 
you just you just gotta you can't censor a politician. True. I mean, look at Trump. Imagine how uneventful the last twelve months would be if we had censored Trump. <laughs> so that's that was again Senator John Blutarski of the Omega Theta Pi House. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So I, I think I think he actually describes it for all of us what we were thinking on Saturday. Don't you? Pretty much. Okay. All righty, Billy. So there's your update from Eugene. What's next on the agenda? All right, Beach. All right. Uh, I think it's time to go under further review for week number nine in the Pac-12. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown. All right. All right, let's do this. Okay, Beach. first up, there was a game on Thursday, October 27th, last week. It was, okay, ooh, wait a minute. We got to update our standings here. <clears throat> Let me get a pen, get out my trusty paper. All right, so heading into last week, Kyle, I hate you, Kyle. Kyle was in third place with 44 out of 61 games. You were in second place with 45 out of 61 games. And I was in first place with 46 out of 61 games. So wait, we had five games last week. First up was the Thursday night game, Cal at USC. Do you remember who everyone picked, Beach? Um, I think everybody took uh, the men of Troy for this one, Billy. That is correct, Beach. USC running back Ronald Jones rushed for a career-high 223 yards. Sam Darnold threw five touchdown passes, and USC downed Cal 45-24 to on Thursday night. Now, Darnold threw for 231 yards, with Darius Rogers making six catches for a career-high 97 yards, as the Trojans rolled up a season-high 629 yards of total offense. A K. Cedric Ware contributed a career-high 130 yards rushing to USC's total of 398. The fourth time this season, the Golden Bears have allowed more than 300 yards on the ground. Now, defensive tackle James Looney returned a fumble to the USC 22, where Trey Watson took a screen pass into the end zone for Cal. Now, Davis Webb, the Texas Tech transfer, found his rhythm on Cal's next drive with throws of 23 and 32 yards to set up Matt Anderson's field goal. Now, Webb threw for 331 yards and two TDs, throwing a ball up for grabs that was intercepted by safety Marvell Tell in the first quarter. Webb also rushed for a touchdown in the third quarter that cut USC's lead to 28-17 before Jones had a 37-yard touchdown run and Daniel, oh my gosh, this is a hard one. And Mater Tabihihi caught a 17-yard touchdown pass from Darnold. That's a brutal last name. So, yes, we all got the point on that one. All right, Beach, next up we have four games on Saturday, October 29th. First up on our plate was number four, Washington, at Utah. And we all took, uh, let's see, hold on here. We all took Washington, or I took Washington on this one. Did you guys take them too? Yes, we all took Washington. Okay. And uh, actually, Utah played better than I thought they did. Now, Washington wide receiver Dante Pettis returned a punt 58 yards for a touchdown with 325 left, and Washington held off Utah 31-24 to on Sunday to remain undefeated. Now, on Sunday? Sorry, on Saturday. That was a long game. Yeah. Now, after that's when we got home after the Beaver game. <laughs> now, after Utah tied it at 24 with 907 left, Washington pinned down the Utes on their own one yard line on quarterback Jake Browning's pooch punt. The Utes went three and out and punted to Pettis, 
who ran parallel toward the far sideline, broke a tackle, and outran everyone else. It was Pettis' second punt return for a touchdown of the year. And this is also impressive. It was the first punt return for a touchdown Utah has allowed since 2009. Mm. Now, Browning threw for 186 yards and two TDs, and Miles Gaskin ran for 151 yards and a touchdown. Utah quarterback Troy Williams threw for 163 yards and two TDs, while running back Joe Williams continued his remarkable post-retirement career with 172 (laughs) yards and a TD. I just love that. So... Mm-hmm. His post-retirement career. Yep. So, I, I tell you, I tell you what, with that game, Utah played a lot better. I, I I figured Washington would go there and kind of stomp on them, and Utah hung right with them. Yeah, I mean, really, they they weren't just just a, just one score out. I mean, that's pretty darn close when you think about it. And it was a punt return. Yeah. So, anyways, all right. So we all got the point on that one. Three games mm-hmm. left. First up, down in the Evil Empire. Arizona State at Oregon. Well, I picked ASU on this one, Billy. What did you take? All three of us took Arizona State Beach. Now, Oregon tight end Farrell Brown caught seven passes for a career-best 129 yards and two TDs as the Ducks finally got a conference win and appeared to snap out of their prolonged funk. Now, Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert, a true freshman who was making his third career start after taking over the job from graduate transfer Dakota Prukup, has scored 12 touchdowns over that span. Herbert's passing yards against the Sun Devils matched Bill Musgrave's record of 489 set against BYU in 1989. Now Herbert tossed a short pass to Brown, who took off down the sidelines and stiff-armed the last defender for a 75-yard touchdown on the Ducks' first series of the game. It was his ninth touchdown pass. Now last weekend, Herbert tied the school record with six TD passes and a 49-52 overtime loss at Cal. Hmm. Now, the Sun Devils also started a freshman at quarterback. Dylan Sterling Cole was pressed into service in last week's 37-32 loss to Washington State after Manny Wilkins was injured. Now, Sterling Cole passed for 302 yards and his first career touchdown, but he also threw three interceptions. Now, Kalen Ballage ran for 62 yards and two scores, including a 15-yard run that got the Sun Devils within 30-22 in the third quarter. So it was kind of close, and then Oregon just kind of pulled away late. Yeah. So, but uh, you know Arizona State's pretty damn beat up too. So, well, we'll, we'll see how. It's, it's been a pretty brutal year for everybody, I think. There's been a number of teams. Well, I feel Arizona, Arizona State, Cal, not Cal. Uh, Utah's taken some injuries. UCLA's taken injuries. Oregon State's taken a chunk of injuries. Mm-hmm. So. You know, the only one that really hasn't is Washington. They've remained pretty uh, pretty injury-free. And, and hence why they're doing so well. Exactly. All right, Beach. next game up is Stanford at Arizona. Ooh, the lovely color cardinal. Yes, I took Stanford also, but Kyle, poor Kyle, he took Arizona. Stanford running back Christian McCaffrey took the handoff up the middle, made a little juke, and with a burst of speed, raced past Arizona's flailing defenders. This was the player Stanford had been missing the past few weeks. Now, McCaffrey returned to his tackle-eluding form, accounting for 225 all-purpose yards and three TDs to lead the Cardinal to a 34-10 victory over Arizona Saturday night. The shifty junior had a jump in his step against the Wildcats, scoring on runs of 45 and 6 yards, 
to finish with 169 yards on 23 cash carries. McCaffrey added four catches for 27 yards, including an 18-yard catch-and-run TD. Now, Bryce Love chipped in 78 yards on 12 carries while giving McCaffrey a break and helped the Cardinal break out of a scoring funk after entering Saturday's game 127th out of 128 teams in scoring just 17 points per game. Now, Arizona had its top two quarterbacks back for the first time since the season opener, yet continued to sputter offensively in its fifth straight loss. Brandon Dawkins started and threw for 116 yards, including a 38-yard TD pass to Trey Griffey. Dawkins also had 65 yards and 17 yards rushing on 17 carries. Now, Anu Solomon replaced him in the third quarter and lasted just two series, finishing 0 for 3 passing. Hmm. Yeah. So Arizona is just a really, really, really beat-up football team. Yeah, they, they haven't had a good season at all. No. So you and I got the win there, Beach. Mm-hmm. Kyle, Kyle kind of sucked that one up. Well, yeah. So now the last one up is Washington State at Oregon State. We should have. Uh, well, I feel we were robbed on this one. I felt well. I think the I think the game was a lot closer than the score uh, is, and I think the refs did not do the Beavs any favors. I, I'm normally not a homer like that. I mean, if we get beat, we get beat. But the refereeing was just terrible. Yeah, I, all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. It started out, well, here, let me go through the game. So, Beach, we yeah. all took Oregon State. Washington State quarterback Luke Falk threw for five TDs and 415 yards as the Cougars roared back to beat Oregon State 35-31 to on Saturday night. Now, Gabe's Marks caught two touchdown passes, and Jamal Moreau, Tavares Martin Jr., and Robert Lewis each had a TD for the Cougs, who won their sixth straight game in a row. Marks finished with eight catches for 110 yards. Now, the Cougs, the Cougs fell behind 24-6 at halftime, but Falk responded with three TD passes in the third quarter to put the Cougs up 28-24. Now, in the fourth, Washington State mishandled the punt deep in its own territory, allowing Oregon State to score and regain the lead. On their next possession, Falk led the Cougs on an 80-yard, seven-play drive capped by Lewis's one-yard touchdown catch. Now, Oregon State's Ryan Nall had two rushing touchdowns and another receiving. His 131 yards rushing included an 89-yard TD up-the-middle run the third longest run in school history. He also added 71 yards receiving. Now, Marcus McMarion had 303 yards passing with two touchdowns, including one to Seth Collins on a trick play that went for 46 yards for Oregon State, which lost its third in a row. So, Beach, first up, Null, 89-yard touchdown run. It is impressive. God, that run was gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. It is impressive. But they shut him down in the second half, though. Well, they, they did a lot of – Washington State made some good – and gives credit to Washington State. They yeah. made some good adjustments at halftime, and especially the third quarter, shut down a lot and and were able to really get their offense going because Oregon State had pretty much shut down Washington State's offense in the first half. Now, um, I will say the big thing that I saw shut down in the second half, not so much Null, but was Victor Bolden. He had, really? he had nothing going in the second half. And I think him getting out and getting some catches really helped open things up for Nall. Now, Nall's 89-yard touchdown run, it is damn impressive to see a guy that big and that powerful break away from defensive backs. Yes. It's, it's And, you know, he was running, and he never looked back. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. He's, just, he's a big man, and he just he's fast for a big guy. 
It's impressive. It's impressive. Now, that 89-yard touchdown run is the third longest in school history. He has also has the second longest a couple weeks ago with a 90-yarder. And then, of course, wow. and of course the, first? the first, of course, is Terry Baker with his 99-yard touchdown run in the bowl game. Okay. Okay. Back in when he won the uh, Heisman. So that year. So he's in. He's in. He's he's close to pretty good company right there. Exactly. And if you think of some of the backs we've had that haven't had runs longer. Now, yet, what year is what, what 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 year is Null? Uh, I think he's just a sophomore. I think he's a redshirt sophomore. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So, but uh, he looks impressive. So he needs to keep that going. Yeah. But anyways, so I thought that was great. Now, I, like I said, I give 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 credit to Washington State. They made some good uh, some good um. They they did some great adjustments, yeah. but you know there was a couple of lack of holding calls, obvious holding calls. You know, and we talked about this. You got two more refs on the field, and they still can't see crap. Yeah, you I know? agree. You know, and, and I, then the tar- that, that targeting call. I don't care what you say. Those refs had their flags out before that guy hit. I agree. It and- didn't matter shoulder to shoulder or helmet to helmet. They were going to flag that just because it because he he went after him to tackle him. Well, and here's the problem that I see with this call, right? I understand what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to stop mm-hmm. people from getting hurt. We don't want to see traumatic brain injuries. I agree. Oh. I agree. But right now, the way the rule's set up, the 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 quarterback can run to the last possible second and just start to go down. And then if the defensive player, like in this case, the defensive player was already in the act of making the tackle. He committed himself to making the tackle. Then Falk decides to go down. I don't, first of all, I don't even think he really hit him in the head. You know, he more hit him in the shoulder. He He more hit him in the Mm -hmm. shoulder. But it behooves the the quarterback, who at that point is a running back, right? He's not a quarterback at Mm -hmm. that point. He's tucked the ball and started to run. So he's now a running back. But, yep. but it behooves that quarterback to run to the last possible second and then just start to get down. Cause if you're in the act of sliding, you will get the call. And and that's, it's, it's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, they're basically, in my mind needs to be a, like a halo rule. Oh, you got, you got to give, you know, as the defensive player, you know, he's got, if he's within a yard of the guy or five feet of the guy, a yard, that's that's pretty good. If you're within a yard of the guy and starting to make the tackle, tough shit if you try to take a try to slide. That's how I feel about it. Yeah, no, I agree. And like I said, I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to they're trying to save people, but then the quarterback needs to get down earlier. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to get hit, go down earlier. Yep. Don't try to push it out for the extra yards. Exactly. I mean that's they want the best of both worlds and you can't have it. You either are gonna expose yourself and and try to get the extra yards, or you're going to have to be more reserved and uh, and take a lesser. Uh, if you don't want to get hit, then then don't stretch. Not completely agree. So, anyways, but I thought the Beavs played well. So, yeah. now uh, let's talk about the Pac-12 in the polls. Now, the the first uh, playoff poll will get uh, put out tomorrow. So, but get out Tuesday when this is released, so people will know about that. But right now, in the Pac-12 in the polls. Number uh, Washington comes in at number four, Utah at 16, Colorado at 21, Washington State at 25, and USC is in the other receiving votes category. Now in the USA Today coaches poll, Washington's in at number four, Utah at 16, Colorado at 20, 
Washington State at 25, and USC is in the also receiving votes category. Now, Beach, do you find anything interesting about these teams that are in the top 25 rankings? Washington, Utah, Colorado, Washington State. They were all less than stellar teams in the last few years? uh, Well, possibly. Oh, Utah hasn't been too bad. No, Utah's been pretty good, but Colorado and Washington State haven't been all that great over the last couple of years. So that's uh, that's that's four Pac-12 teams in the uh, in the top, the top 20. twenty-five. Um, mm-hmm. So Washington, Beavs played them. Utah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Beavs played them. Mm-hmm. Colorado, Beavs played them. Washington State, Beavs played them. Now, the so B- we're through the tough part of the season? Is that what you're saying? I'm just going to say, there's two other teams that the Beavs have lost to. The Beavs have six losses. There's four of them, the four Pac-12 teams. They played five Pac-12 teams. They beat Cal. The other four they've lost to. Although I would say they played Utah, Washington State, and even to a certain extent, Washington, fairly tough. Um, mm-hmm. Utah, they had a chance to win. Washington State, they had a chance to win. They played Washington tough. Colorado, you know, gave them a pretty good licking. Now, they also, Beavs also lost to Boise State out of conference, who I believe is ranked 23 or 24. And then they also lost to Minnesota out of conference, who, if they extended the rankings out, would be number 26. Okay, so we, what you're saying is we've played a lot of tough teams so far this year. We've played a lot of teams that are ranked. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, my, my thing is I think the last four games, I really like the Beavs' chances. Cool. Well, I guess what I really want to say is the Beavs aren't that far away. Yeah. They're really close to putting this thing together. Now, the thing I want to see change from last week is all the damn false start penalties on our offense. That killed them. That really killed them. So, alrighty, Beach, enough of that. It is now time to move on to the Tommy Tuberville. What's he think I look like? A jackass? Sure do. <laughs> Jackass of the Week Award. Now, every week we like to discuss a person in college football who exemplifies the truly worst in sportsmanship, leadership, or just being a fan. So this week, Beach, we're going to go down to the Big 12 country and talk about Texas defensive end Brecken Hager. And first of all, you know, I don't have a picture on this outline for you, but Brecken Hager, the 70s called and they want your hair cut back. Really? Oh, he looks like he's been using too much Breck. Breck shampoo? Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I remember. I remember. I think we used Breck shampoo when we were kids, didn't we? Yeah, in the 70s, yeah. Yeah, who didn't use Breck shampoo? It was the thing. But anyways, yeah, his his hair, it's just ridiculous. But anyways, Texas defensive end Breckenhager said that the Longhorns approach on defense this coming week in preparing to face prolific Texas Tech quarterback Patrick Mahomes the second is simple hurt him. Now, Hager said this multiple times Monday. Now, eventually, he issued an apology hours later while discussing how to stop Mahomes, the nation's number one passer and a quarterback who has a bit of a history against the Longhorns. Now, this is what Hager said. I say injure that quarterback. That's the mentality right now. We've got to take him out. We know he's banged up, and we've just got to get after him. Now, Hager issued an apology through the university on Monday afternoon, saying it's not his intent to injure another player. 
Now, this is what Hager said. I want to apologize for what I said earlier today at our press conference. I play hard, and it's our team's goal to get pressure on the quarterback. Hit him and disrupt the offense. When I go out there, I want to play my most aggressive game, but I'm not trying to do anything to physically injure someone. I have too much respect for Patrick Mahomes and every quarterback I play against to ever do that. That's not what I'm about, not the way I was raised, and not the way we play football at Texas. But he said, let me let me requote here, I say injure that quarterback. That's the mentality right now. We've got to take him out. We know he's banged up, and we've just got to get after him. Yep. Now, Brecken uh, continued, our coaches don't teach us that or coach us to injure other players in any way. It was really a poor choice of words, and I truly regret it. My point should have been that it's our job as defensive linemen to make our presence known and affect the quarterback. Life is bigger than a game, and I'm still learning how to be a better player on and off the field. I hope everyone will accept my apology for what I said. Now, Mahomes, the quarterback, has been dealing with an injury to his throwing shoulder for the past month, one he appeared to aggravate at the end of the Red Raiders' 27-24 double overtime victory at TCU on Saturday. Now, the last time Texas visited Lubbock late in the 2004 season, Texas defensive back Quandre Diggs delivered a hard hit on Mahomes that knocked the quarterback out of the game with a concussion. Days after the hit, Diggs said he didn't feel bad about knocking out Mahomes because, quote, he signed up to play football, sometimes that happens. Now, during the Texas Tech-Texas game last season, Diggs, who's now with the Detroit Lions, called Mahomes a chump on Twitter for flexing after a touchdown. Now, after the Red Raiders won the game 48-45 in Austin, Mahomes responded by tweeting, quote, this same chump just got the win tonight. Now, Mahomes did not respond to Hager's comments on Monday, but his father, Pat Mahomes, a former Major League player, tweeted, are you kidding me? Now, Hager's apology was accompanied by a statement from Texas coach Charlie Strong. Strong said, I want to make one thing clear. We never walk into a game wanting to injure someone. We would never coach that way, and that's not how our team plays, Strong said. We respect the game too much. We respect other players, and we respect how hard they've worked to get in a position they're in, so that's not our character. Brecken knows we want to get pressure on the quarterback. We want to get around him. We want him to feel our pressure. That's what he's talking about. But you never walk into a game saying we're coming to injure you. Brecken knows that. Brecken, or Patrick Holmes is the nation's leading passer, and we have a ton of respect for him. Anyways, so this whole thing is just stupid, right? You know, can I, can I, you know, you're, so you're going on, and they're they're tweeting back and forth, and you know, can't when did it become such a drama fest? You used to go out there play football, go home. You know, um, it reminds me of the sport of boxing. You know. There, there was a time, and I'm not a big boxing fan, but I was hearing a guy's critique of it. And there was a time when the boxers showed up, had standard white trunks on. They went out there, beat the hell out of each other. They shook hands. They went home for the night. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there became the flashy shorts. Well, and there became the stare downs and, and the press conferences and, and the big mouth talking. Well, it started with creating drama and excitement. It, it's, and, it's, and ultimately, it started with just, Muhammad Ali. It started with Muhammad Ali. Oh, yeah. Was. Because he went out there and wanted to put on a show. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, you are. You're putting on a show. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're entertainment. It's sport, nice. but it's entertainment. Yeah, I, I, I prefer just the classic sport, though. I don't need the drama. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I want a sitcom, I'll watch reruns of Seinfeld any day of the week. Uh, I you like know, it. I, I, I like it. Now, I find, I find the tweeting back and forth. And, th- and I think sometimes I think the press makes mountains out of molehills, too. Oh, yeah. Which could be the case in this, well, you know, you, you know, I mean, 
like you and I would say, boy, you know, he put a lick on him, right? Well, and it is football. You do sign up to play for it. You do like to see those good, I don't want to say, you know, safe hits. Those good hits where, you know, you got thumped, you took the, you made the play. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. But again, it's football. No, 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 no. Here's the difference, Peach. And, and this is what it comes down to. So His choice for it, saying, I want to take him out. He, for saying, we want, to hurt, we want to injure him. Yeah. Because you don't want to injure him. You want to hurt him. Because yeah. if you're injured, well, and, and maybe hold, that's on, his, hold on, hold on, Maybe he was taken out of context or just didn't use the right choice of well, words. Maybe you, he just you, wanted to take just, him out of his game. You just, first of all, you just don't say what he said. You just say, right. yeah, we want, we want to put pressure on him. But how old a, is the kid? How old is the kid? Well, he's, he's a college kid. So, but, but here's what you do in football. You don't want to injure a guy because if you injure a guy, he's not coming back in, but I want to hurt him. Right. Mm-hmm. If I'm a defensive player and there's a, a, a running back hit in the hole, I want to hurt him. I want to hit him hard. So that next time he hits that hole, he's thinking, damn it, last time I went through there, that freaking hurt. Is that guy coming again? And he doesn't hit that hole just as fast, right? Or if it's a receiver and he goes up to make a catch, that DB better lower the boom on him and give a little hurt to him. So the next time he's running that crossing route, he's thinking, ugh. Am I going to get hit again? Because that freaking hurt. And, and that's the difference. I, I you know, as, as a player, I want to go out there. I want to hurt a guy. I want you hurt. I want you to know that that freaking hurt. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt. I don't want you injured. I want you to come back. I'll pick you up for the next play. And then when you come through, I'm going to knock the hell out of you again. So next time, you're not going as hard. That's part of football. That's the physical side of football. Right? But one, it's just stupid that he would. You just don't say that in the press conference, right? No. Period. But but again, but again, you know what? Sometimes you you use the wrong choice of words. I mean, I, I look at you know this is politics. This is all the times when you get too you have too much press anyway, and they don't have enough to report on because they run twenty four hour news cycles. Well, I, I was I was just looking it up. The classic uh, Rashid Wallace, you know, quote: "Because you do get taken out of context, they do make a joke out of you. So what happens? You just go out there and say." Hey, both teams, teams played play hard. hard. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But anyways, I just it was just stupid. And they're all like, oh, he said they're going to injure him. He doesn't want to injure him. He just wants to hurt him. But you say that to most people, oh, but he wants to hurt him? Yeah. He wants to go back there, and when he goes back to throw, I'm going to hit him as hard as I can. So that he's I getting... like to make him feel like he just got a cock punch so that he doesn't want to come back again. Exactly. So, oh, your shoulder hits? Well, I'm going to hit you hard. So you're thinking, damn, my shoulder hurt, hurts even more. That's part of football. It's like when you sack, you know, you sack the quarterback two or three times and he gets a little scared and he starts running more and he starts pitching the ball early and he starts screwing up. I mean, it's just part of the game. Did you see Falk at the end of the game on Saturday against the Beavs? Was he a little punch drunk? Oh, yeah. He was getting hammered. Beavs were getting some pressure on him. Yeah, finally. Well, I I, I understand he's the jackass of the week, but sometimes I, I, I think that's a I don't know. It's not one of your. It's not the best jackass of the week. Well, I'm giving it to the whole situation. Yeah. The whole situation to Brecken Hager for saying the stupid thing he said, and for the press and everybody taking it way out of context. This yeah. you get this week's. <laughs> jackass of the week award. No, I just it just pisses me off. It just pisses me off. So. 
All right, Beach. it is now time for the musical interlude of the week, and I do believe it is your pick. It is. Doing like the classic Sesame Street line, today's song is brought to you by the number 13, the color black, and the letter F. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice. That's perfect. Thank you. That's, that's, that's perfect this week for, uh, it, for today for being Halloween. That's perfect. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was working on there. Okay. Um, so I am picking because we are going with a hell theme because it just kind of grabbed on its own and that's where we're going. Um, oh, did we, we didn't read the email we got from earlier today or from earlier this week, the message. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot to read that. Hold on. I'll go back to my inbox. Kurt's going to be all upset. He's probably, he probably already turned off the podcast, pissed off going, well, I sent him a message and they didn't read Jack crap. Hold on here. Okay. Was it, was it a Facebook message? I think. I think it was Facebook message, yeah. Yeah. So go into the messages there. Damn it. So I am going to tell Kurt right now, I'm not going to choose your song. I appreciate the uh, the suggestion, and we might play a snippet maybe for the exit credits, Billy. I don't know. We can throw a little bit in there. And not exit credits, but like, you know, the after, after. That's right. But, okay, uh, okay, okay, okay. Here we go. So okay. uh, let me see here. Dang it. Read it here. Okay. Is this what you do to your wife? I'm really close. I'm really close. Oh, dang it. Sure. A little bit longer. A little okay. bit longer. So, okay. Kurt said, Bill and Beach, congrats on the tailgater of the game award. It's long overdue. Looking forward to seeing Benny finally step out of Research Stadium parking lot to acknowledge a truly amazing tailgate experience. I noticed your musical theme regarding hell, and since I'm sure you've already played ACDC's Highway to Hell, I don't know if we have, actually. I had another suggestion that might get overlooked. This artist had a comeback in the early 90s. That is where I first heard of him. But he's most famous for his work in the late 70s and early 80s and most recently for his cameo in last summer's animated food orgy comedy, Sausage Party, which is a hilarious movie, by the way. I'm talking, of course, about Meatloaf. Bad Out of Hell was a 1979 single off the 1977 album of the same name. In fact, Meatloaf made albums called Bad Out of Hell 2, Back Into Hell, and Bad Out of Hell 3, The Monster is Loose. And while I eagerly await the next sequel, which will probably involve Godzilla somehow, I think it's important to honor the only song I know to have generated two album sequels. It's eight minutes, though, so I understand if you want to split it between two podcasts or, you know, not play it at all. Mm-hmm. I also did threaten to send you a Purdue Fact of the Week, which you didn't say you wanted, but I might send you anyway. Here, here's his Purdue Fact of the Week. Aviation pioneer Amelia Earhart was actually a visiting faculty member at Purdue in 1937, where she was providing career counseling to female students and also serving as a technical advisor to the College of Aeronautics. The plane she was flying in during her ill-flated flight was a Lockheed Model 10 Electra funded entirely by Purdue University. Perhaps Purdue should have invested that money in football field lights and she'd still be alive today. (laughs) Nice. Now, Purdue still has the world's largest collection of Amelia Earhart memorabilia, papers, and artifacts. And one of their dorms is Earhart Hall, built in 1964. Anyways, congrats again on the tailgater, and I look forward to this weekend's event, particularly the Cougar Gold Mac and Cheese Go Beeves. So, yes, Kurt, um, I don't think we're going to play Bad Out of Hell. Yeah, it's a, it's a long song, and I, 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 it, it's, it's a, I, I, I just wanted something a little harder. Well, a lot harder today. Yeah. Now, now that being said, uh, Kurt's younger brother, Dave, um, also a friend of ours, and Dave said that he used to hear Kurt in his room playing Meatloaf's uh, Bad Out of Hell 2 is particularly I would do anything for love, but I won't do that all mm-hmm. the time. And he'd just play it over 
and over and over again really loud. Wow. So I know I know Kurt's a huge meatloaf fan. Wow, no kidding if you play that one over and over again. Yeah. I mean it's a it's a good song, but it's it's a, it's a little I don't know. But thank you for the Purdue fun yeah, fact. Hey, you know, you're not allowed to – you can't make fun of genders anymore. You just can't make fun of anything anymore. Yeah. It's a shame because yeah. there's a lot of jokes there, Kurt, and we're, we're leaving them on the table because I just don't want to get in trouble with, you know, the, the – the, the, the thought the, police. Exactly. The thought Nazis more or less. Huh. Anyway. Okay. So can I, can I go on my song now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. There's a lot here, but I feel like it needs an intro because – the band, the story, the song, everything. It's kind of huge. Okay, so Pantera was an American heavy metal band from Arlington, Texas. The group was formed in 1981 by the Abbott Brothers, drummer Vinnie Paul, and guitarist Dimebag Daryl, along with vocalist Terry Glaze and bassist, Rex, uh, and bassist Rex Brown joined the band the following year, replacing the original unofficial bass guitarist named Tommy D. Bradford. Having started as a glam metal band, Pantera released four albums during the 1980s. Looking for a new and heavier sound, Pantera replaced Glaze with Phil Anselmo in late 1986 and released Power Metal in 1988. With its fifth album, 1990's Cowboys from Hell, Pantera introduced a groove metal sound. Pantera's sixth album, 1992's Vulgar Display of Power, exhibited an even heavier sound. Far Beyond Driven 1994 debuted at number one on the Billboard's 200. Tensions began to surface among the band members when Anselmo became addicted to heroin in 1995. He almost died from an overdose in 1996. These tensions resulted in recording sessions for The Great Southern Trend Kill, 1996, to be held separately. The ongoing tension lasted for another seven years, in which only one studio album, Reinventing the Steel, 2000, was recorded. Pandera went on hiatus in 2001, but was disbanded by the Abbott brothers in 2003 amid communication problems and their conclusion that Anselmo would not return to the band. So after Pantera's breakup, Daryl and Vinny formed a new band called Damage Plan with vocalist Pat Lachman and bassist Bob Zila. The group re released their first album, New Found Power, on February 10, 2004. The album was a commercial success. Over 44,000 copies were sold in its first week alone, and within a year, over 100,000 copies were sold. However, some fans felt that Damage Plan's material did not measure up to that of Pantera. Tragedy stu struck. This is where it's crazy. Tragedy struck on December 8, 2004. Damage Plan was performing in support of their album at a show at the Alrosa Villa in Columbus, Ohio, when less than a minute into the first song of their set, Nathan Gale, 25, went on stage and shot and killed Daryl. Gale also killed fan Nathan Bray, 23, club employee Aaron Hulk, 29, and Pantera security official Jeff Mayhem Thompson, who was 40, and injured longtime Pantera and Damage Plan drum technician John Cat Brooks and Damage Plan tour manager Chris Paluska before being shot dead by Columbus police officer James Niggemeyer. No motive uh, has been given as to why Gale killed Dimebag Daryl, but early theories, which were dismissed by police, suggested that Gale, who was reported to have suffered from schizophrenia, was angered over Pantera's breakup and resorted to violence. In a number of interviews, some of Gale's friends suggested that he claimed that he had written songs that were stolen by Pantera. So literally, a minute into the performance, this guy comes out, shoots Dimebag right on the stage, and then begins shooting other people in the club. Yep. 
just unbelievable. Hor- just horrible. Yeah. And, I mean, you listen to Dimebag's plane. I mean, after hearing this, I, I was not a, a, a Pantera fan at the beginning. I, I got onto them much, much later in time. But uh, you listen to his plane, and it really is impressive as hell. And actually, when he uh, when they buried Dimebag... I was Eddie hoping Van you were going to say this. Yeah, Eddie Van Halen showed up to the funeral and actually gave him the guitar that is on the cover, I believe, of Van Halen 2. Yeah. Was, uh, the, 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 the guitar that Eddie Van Halen held on the cover of uh, Van Halen 2, uh, he buried it with Dimebag Daryl yeah. uh, in his coffin. Yeah. And they said, someone said that if Dime knew that, he would have said, oh, kill me he right now. He would have committed. He said, kill me right now. Yeah, he would have, <laughs> yeah, he would have, he would have committed suicide just for the fact that he got to be buried with Eddie Van Halen's guitar. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that being said, uh, the, the title song off of Cowboys from Hell, here is Cowboys from Hell.
That's a great freaking song, Beach. You know, Dude, you know the the guitar is just so well, intense in that. I mean, you, I, I'm surprised the man's fingers aren't just bloody as hell from playing that I know. thing. Now, the funny thing is, you and I know that song because of our age. There's a lot of people younger that know that song because of Guitar Hero. Yeah. Yeah. Which is totally understandable because it is an amazing guitar song. Exactly. Exactly. So good pick. Now, God, I got a, I got a tough one to, uh, to, uh, to, to go. I got to do some more hell song searching for next yeah. week. <laughs> I right. like this theme. I like the theme. It's a it, good theme. It just kind of happened. So. Yeah. All right, Beach. It is now time to preview week number ten in the Pac-12. Again, after last week, these scores were uh, Kyle only got two. He fell further behind at forty-six out of sixty-six. You are at 48 out of 66, and I'm at 49 out of 66. I have Kyle's. Oh, you know, before we do this, let's just talk about the uh, Oregon Beef Council. Ooh, yes, let's talk about the Oregon Beef Council. So, yes, we did win the Oregon Beef Council tailgater of the game. They came by with a big, uh, couple big uh, uh, swag bags of stuff, which was great. Mm -hmm. Um, They got a lot of great pictures. We got some great pictures with Benny. And a lot of people from the tailgater, which was cool. They did bring them over to where we were at, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did put our picture on at halftime and said, we'd like to congratulate the Oregon Beef Council tailgater of the game, the Brooks family. Bill Brooks, Jessica Brooks, Beach Brooks. That <laughs> sounds pretty good. Paul Brooks and Kathy Brooks. Yes. So, yeah, it was kind of funny. But uh, anyway, so but it was us. I, I personally think it's a, a scam because they didn't want the name Heinrich going across the the the, the uh, big screen for fear that it would have made my victory coming up on Tuesday just so massive that Suzanne Bonamici wouldn't be able to show her face in town I guess, for a long time. I guess maybe. maybe But um great tailgater. I cooked up all 40 pounds of that tri-tip, and we, used, we ate almost all of it. Mm-hmm. I cooked up five of the six pans of mac and cheese, and it all got consumed. The only reason why we didn't do the sixth was because we just ran out of time. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, people just woofed it. I think everyone enjoyed it. Yeah. I think everybody. Really no, enjoyed no. It. I, the mac and cheese is always awesome. And the tri-tip was fantastic. You know, you know me, Billy. I mean, I'm a huge fan of a one. And I mean, I, I rarely eat steak without a one just because I, you know, people say I'm brutal with my steak cause I like it well done. And I, I, I view it kind of like a, a one intake device, much like I view a hot dog as a mustard intake device. But that tri-tip was so dang good, it didn't need anything on it. Oh, it was perfect. It was, oh, it was amazing. I, I told you, I'm a man that knows how to handle his meat. I tell you, you do. <laughs> so anyways, great tailgater, a lot of people out, great time. We had a little bit of rain when we first got there, but it dried out. And I think mm-hmm. it was one of the best tailgaters of the season so far. I, I actually do too. I mean, I thought it was, it was amazing. And we had great attendance, and we actually added two extra tents to the tailgate. Which helped out a lot too, just with uh, room underneath the tent and and uh, opening up space. So yeah, like I said, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah. All right, Beach. Okay, so let's look at week number ten preview in the Pac-12. First up, we do have a Thursday night, November third game, UCLA at number one Colorado. Who do you got, Beach? UCLA at Colorado. You know what? Those pot smoking hippies over there in Colorado—they're gonna win that some bitch. Okay. All right, so you're taking Colorado. I, too, am taking Colorado. Kyle emailed me, and he started out so disappointed with last weekend. Our buddy Brock came into town for a visit. I know Brock, too. He worked for me on campus. Things I learned. A fifth of scotch doesn't last as long as you might think, and I am old. 
<laughs> Probably when he woke up in the morning after that fifth of scotch. Now, Kyle also said, we are very proud of your tailgater. Congrats on your recognition. UCLA at Colorado, Buffs win. So it looks like all three of us are taking Colorado. Now, okay. next up, Beach, we have four games on Saturday. First up, Arizona at number 25, Washington State. I think Washington State is just going to massacre Arizona. It's going to be so bad, it's going to look like Eastern Washington's uh, field. You've already said that once this year because it's all red. Oh. Sorry, I, it's sorry. okay. I too am taking. I, 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 yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm getting tired, Billy. It's been a long day. I understand. I too am taking Washington State. Kyle says Arizona at Wazoo. Arizona loses. Leaves with smile on their faces, knowing they are leaving Pullman and going back to beautiful Tucson. <laughs> Especially this time of year when Pullman starts to get damn cold. Oh, I bet. Okay, next up, Oregon at USC. Ooh. They are. So what? 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 What's the? Uh, what's the? Uh, the guy who rides the horse. What's his? What's? Uh, Tommy Trojan. Uh, Tommy Trojan. He's gonna pull out his sword and he's gonna kill the duck. He's just gonna just gonna slice that bitch up, cook him up, put him on a pizza. Okay. So you're taking USC. I am. Okay. I too am taking USC. Kyle says Oregon at USC. Ducks think they have themselves back on track. Wrong. SC. So it looks like we're all straight up right down there. Next up, number four, Washington at Cal. I just don't see anything stopping Washington at this point, uh, especially not Cal. So I think the Huskies are, are, are I think they're on their way to, uh, I think they're on their way to a uh, Rose Bowl berth. Yeah. At least a berth in the Pac-12 championship game, I think. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So you're taking UW. I, too, am taking UW. Kyle says, Washington Cal, Huskies win. Short, sweet, to the point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last up, Beach, Oregon State at Stanford. You know what? I'm I'm always a, you know, I always pick Oregon State. I'd, I'd be sacrilegious if I didn't. But I truly, truly believe Oregon State's going to beat Stanford. I don't think Stanford's as good as they think they are. And I think Oregon State's going to just have a perfect game plan. And I think Stanford's going to stumble enough that that uh, gives us the opportunity to take the win. So Oregon State for the win. X gets a square. There you go. I, too, am taking Oregon State. I don't think Oregon State's that far away. They're not that far away. They're really close. And with as young as they are and as beat up as they are, to be playing with with the teams they're playing against, good things are ahead. I, I, yes. I like the next four opponents. So mm-hmm. starts with Stanford. Um, now, yep. now, Kyle says, OSU at Stanford, that was a depressing third quarter last week. Build on the good, no false starts, and Beavers win. Go Beavers. That's the thing. We had way too many false starts last week. Oh, I completely agree. It was ugly. Oh, God. Ugly, Dang. ugly, ugly. All right, cool. All right, Beach. Well, I think we're just going to move right into our last segment of the week, the Rosie Ruiz Cheaters and Whores. She's just a girl. She's a ball. She's a ball. Okay. You know, I think last week I brought out, uh, we, we've kind of done some political cheating, right? Yes. And so last week we talked about the, um, oh golly, what was the, uh, the, uh, the, the deal? 
where they uh, negotiated the presidency. So look, look for for something um, kind of interesting. This one came up. The uh, the title is Mama, Where's My Pa? So uh, and I think we talked about this the, the other week, too, about Grover Cleveland. He's the only president who served two non-consecutive terms. Right. Mm hmm. So so he's like the what is it, the 41st and the 43rd president of the United States or something? No, no, not the 40. Uh, 20, I, can't, I can't remember. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah. So anyway. Grover Cleveland is best known as the only president in history to be elected for two non-sequential terms during his first electoral campaign. And this just goes back about cheaters and whores and that politics has always been dirty, even if you go back 100 years and probably even 1,000 years. The crap's just dirty. Okay, So during his first and, – and the best way out of dirty politics and of Hillary Clinton – hopefully Hillary Clinton's listening – the best way to win an election – I don't want her to win, mind you – um, it's just tell the damn truth. You know that? Mm -hmm. Scandal comes up, own it. Grover Cleveland, during his first electoral campaign in 1884, information was released that he previously had an affair with a widow named Maria C. Halpin, who had given birth to a son. She claimed that Cleveland was the father and named him Oscar Folsom Cleveland. Cleveland agreed to pay child support and then paid to put the child in an orphanage when she was no longer fit to raise him. Unusual for a candidate mired in such a scandal, Cleveland admitted guilt in the matter. Chance of, ma, ma, where's my pa, off to the White House, ha, 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 became popular throughout the country, but it did not stop Cleveland from getting elected. He was honest about the entire affair. This helped rather than hurt him and elected again in 1892. Huh. Wow. Own it. Yeah. Well, and that's, Mom. you know, you know what? That's what I tell my kids, you know, especially gun. If yeah. you, if you, if you screw up and do something, fess up to it. Yeah. It's so much easier because you just, you move on, you know, but look, look at this, look at this going back to our, our current presidential election. Look at how long this email scandal has stuck with Hillary and she won't tell the truth. She's been a denier. She deleted the emails. She's she's been deceitful, dishonest with the American public. Says she discloses everything when she's only disclosed a, a fraction of what was going on, and the crap won't die. Now, if she would have owned it eight months ago, ten months ago, when the crap came out, or even if it was a year ago, it would have it would have moved on by now, and she could truly say that's old news. But because she's never been honest and forthcoming. It just hangs on. So anyway, God bless Glover Cleveland. I hit on the old the old widow lady, got caught. Yep. <laughs> got gotta love it. Mama, where's my pa? Off to the White House. Ha ha ha. That's hilarious. <laughs> that sounds so anyway, like, sounds like something out of the eighteen hundreds, isn't it? It it does, it does. Ra shiz boom ba. Ra, ra, and ra. <laughs> okay. But anyway, yeah, you know, uh, so kind of a cheater and a whore here. So Grover Cleveland, kind of a cheater, kind of a whore. But uh, but anyway, it still tells you honesty is the best policy. Good for Grover Cleveland. Yeah. So nice. anyway, so there, there, there's there's my story. Hope that ho hopefully everybody enjoys the, the stuff I bring. It's not always usual. Huh. So interesting. Little tidbits, little nuggets, little morsels. Love, love tidbits. Love, love little tidbits. I love big tidbits. I love all types of tidbits, Billy. Yeah. 
Totally. All right, Beach. Well, I want to thank everyone for listening to show number 84 of Illegal Participation. If you'd like to comment, send a suggestion, or ask a question, there's a few ways to get in touch with us. HeinrichTailgator at gmail.com, at HeinrichTailgator on Twitter. Also check out Heinrich Tailgater on Facebook. Remember, you can listen and subscribe to us on iTunes and the Google Play Music Store. Please leave a rating and review on each of those, and you can listen to us on your iPhone or Android device with the Stitcher Radio app. Beach. Billy. It's been fun. Now, next week, we're going to have to uh, maybe do this a little earlier. Because? Because you're having a party on Tuesday night, and I don't want to have to edit that. Oh, that's true. That's true. We'll do it sun- try to do it Sunday night? We might record on Sunday and then edit on Monday. Okay, yeah, because Kelly's going to be flying in, and I'm going to need to do a lot of cleaning up for that here still. Exactly. So, all right. Well, next week will be show number 85. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a uh, Beaver win over the Cardinal. I'm hoping. I, I'm planning on it, Billy. Planning on it. All right. Well, until then, it's a great big go bees. I'm in my den. It's not as bad. Oh. They're outside the front door. (laughs) Don't breathe. Don't say anything.
Rolling, rolling, rolling. Keep them doggies rolling. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Rawhide, rawhide. Rain and wind and weather. Okay, rain and wind and weather. Hell bent for leather. Wishing my gal was by my side. No, no. Wishing my gal was by my side. All the things I'm missing. Kissing, good, good vittles, loving, kissing, are waiting at the, waiting at at my the ride. end of my ride. Okay, we cannot sing together over the thing because it just doesn't work. It's, that wasn't doing very well at all. No. It kind of sucked ass. <laughs> Pretty much. On a scale of 1 to 10, that sucked. Yes, it did. Okay. Okay, a couple questions. You have an update for Eugene. I do. I do. What about? Ooh. Oh, wait a minute. You know what I didn't see here? What One. did you see? I'm sending you something. Okay. An email? Yes, uh, through through Skype. There it is for you. <laughs> there it is for you. I don't even know if he can hear me right now. He just cut out. Beach, 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 beach. Not there yet. Oh, there he is. Now he's back. What happens? Okay. What happens when that happens? It just said she's feeling like dad being inconvenienced. It's almost as bad as dad. Are you there? Keeps cutting out. Now I'm not there. Now I'm here. I'm back. Guess who's back? Back again. Beege is back. Beege is back. Tell your Tell friends. Beege is back. Beege is back. Beege is back. Beege. No, Jess said she's almost as inconvenienced as dad about you. Every time I say that to him, it cuts out. I swear to God. I swear to God. Every time I say it to him, it cuts out. See if he comes back again. Are you there? Yeah. Every time I say that Jess feels about as inconvenienced as dad with you, it cuts out. It just cut out again. Are you kidding me? Squeege. It keeps cutting out right when I say that stuff. Have you heard what I said? No, a little bit. That just feels about as inconvenient as dad when it comes to you. Yes, yes. I okay, it didn't cut out. Good. Okay. So do you have a Rosie Ruiz? Uh, you know what? I'm going to talk about a cheat. But yeah, it's kind of a Rosie Ruiz. It's kind of a cheater and a whore. Yeah, this one's interesting. We're going to keep with the electoral theme. Guess who's back? Back again. 
Beach is back. Tell a friend. Beach is back. Beach is back. Beach is back. Beach is back. Dirty. Dirty. Ready? What the hell's going on over there? Oh no, I'm ready. I just you okay. <clears throat> there you go. Sibilance. 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 One, two. Sibilance. 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 Look up the Wayne's World with Tom Hanks and Aerosmith. Wayne's World with Tom Hanks and Aerosmith. Um Dude, it's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Pretty much. It's the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Did you see the 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 uh, I think it was a Saturday Night Live with Donald Trump where he like gets he's in the White House and he gets the check from the president of New Mexico and you know the world is so good you're just gonna have to settle. It's tough being a winner. Nice. It's like eight seconds long. SNL. Wayne's oh, World, Wayne's Aerosmith. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. That's where I got that from. <laughs> is is that Tom Hanks? They're doing it. Yeah, he's super because that's that's like 1990. Oh my God, he looks like a little kid. I know, in like 1990, Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's super. Sibilance, okay, sibilance. On. Check, check one, sibilance, sibilance, check two, sibilance. Okay, all right, good to go. I just, like I said, that's where I got that from. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Uh, no, I didn't know that. <clears throat> all right, Beach, that was good. Dude, I thought this was a pretty good show today. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I, 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 I like when we can educate the audience on, on, on stuff, you know? And uh, I, I love the story of Pantera. I think it's a great story. And uh, I, I thought my, my quick find, uh, Rosie Ruiz, was pretty good. That was good. Yeah. Who, who would have thought good old Grover Cleveland uh, nailing the widow lady? You know, you look back at all these older presidents and you kind of look on them with um, adoration and, and uh, history as a, a thing of, of taking out the blemishes, you know. And uh, you really look at them, and we're all just human, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you're not even listening. You don't give a shit. I'm sorry. You're just like freaking Honey Badger. Honey Badger don't give a shit. Billy don't give a shit. 